Chapter Six of the Complete Works of Artemus Ward, Part Two, War, by Charles Ferrar Brown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six, The Draft in Baldensville. If I'm drafted, I shall resign. Deeply grateful for the unexpected honor thus conferred upon me, I shall feel compelled to resign the position in favor of some more worthy person. Modesty is what ails me. That's what's kept me under. And I mean to say, I shall have to resign if I'm drafted everywhere as I've been enrolled. I must now, for instance, be enrolled in upwards of uh, 200 different towns. If I'd kept on traveling, I could have eventually become a brigade, in which case I could have held a meeting and elected myself Brigadier General quite unanimous. I had no idea there were so many of me before. But seriously, I concluded to stop exhibiting and make tracks for Baldensville. My only daughter threw herself onto my bosom and said, It is me, father, I thank the gods. She reads the ledger. Tip us your f bunch of fives, old faker, said Artemis Jr. He reads the clipper. My wife was to the sewing circle. I knew she and the women folks was having a pleasant time slandering the females of the other sewing circle, which likewise met that afternoon and was doubtless enjoying themselves equally well in slandering the first-named circle. And I didn't send for her. I always like to see people enjoy themselves. My son Augustus was playing onto a flute. Augustus is a ethereal cuss. The twins was uh, building cob houses in the corner of the kitchen. It'll cost some postage stamps to raise this family, and yet it'd go hard with the old man to lose any lamb of the flock. An old bachelor is a poor critter. He may have heard the Skylark, or what nearly the same thing, Miss Kellogg and Carlotti Patty sing. He may have heard Oldie Bull fiddle, and all the Dodsworths toot, and yet he don't know nothing about music. The real genuine thing, the music of the laughter of happy, well-fed children. And you may ask the father of six children home to dinner, feeling very sure there'll be no spoons missing when he goes away. Sitch fathers never drop tin five-cent pieces into the contribution box, nor palm shoe pegs off onto blind horses for oats, nor skedaddle to British sile when their country's in danger, nor do anything which is really mean. I don't mean to intimate that the old bachelor is up to little games of this sort, not at all. But I repeat, he's a poor critter. He don't live here, only stays. He ought to apologize on behalf of his parents, for being here at all. A happy married man dies in good style at home, surrounded by his weeping wife and children. Oh, old bachelor don't die at all. He sorts of rots away like a pollywog's tail. My townsmen were sort of demoralized. There was evident design to evade the draft, as I observed with sorrow, and patriotism was below par, and mar, too, at Judas Pritt. I hadn't no sooner sat down on the piazza of the tavern than I saw sixteen solitary horsemen riding four abreast, wending their way up the street. What's them? Is it cavalry? That, said the landlord, is the stage. Sixteen able-bodied citizens had literally bought the stage 
between here and Scottsburg. That's them. They're stage drivers. Stage drivers is exempt. I saw that each stage driver carried a letter in his left hand. The mail is heavy today, said the landlord. Generally, they don't have more than half a dozen letters between them. Today, they got one apiece. Bile, my lights and liver. And the passengers? There ain't any, scarcely nowadays, said the landlord. And what few there is very much prefer to walk. The roads is so rough. And how is it with you? I inquired of the editor of the Buglehorn of Liberty, who sat near me. I can't go, he said, shaking his head in a wise way. Ordinarily, I should delight to wade in gore, but my bleeding country bids me stay at home. It is imperatively necessary that I remain here for the purpose of announcing from week to week that our government is about to take vigorous measures to put down the rebellion. I strolled into the village oyster saloon where I found Dr. Swayze, a leading citizen in a state of mind which showed that he'd been heisting in more than his share of heisen. Hello, old beeswax, he bellered. How's your grandmams? When you gonna feed your stuffed animals? What's the matter with the eminent physician? I pleasantly inquired. Uh, this, he said, this is the matter. I'm a habitual drunkard. I'm exempt. Just so. Do you see them beans, old man? And he pointed to a plate before him. Do you see them? I do. They are a cheerful fruit when used temperately. Well, said he, I ain't eat anything since last week. I eat beans now because I eat beans then. I never mix my vittles. Well, it's quite proper you should eat a little something once in a while, I said. It's a good idea to occasionally instruct the stomach that it mustn't depend exclusively on liquor for its sustenance. A blessing, he cried, a blessing unto the head of the man what invented beans, a blessing unto his head, which his name is Gilson. He's a first family of Boston, said I. This is a specimen of how things was going in my place of residence. A few was true blue. The schoolmaster was among them. He greeted me warmly. He said I was welcome to those shores. He said I had a massive mind. It was gratifying, he said, to see the great intellect stalking in their midst once more. I have often before had occasion to notice this schoolmaster. He is evidently a young man of far more than ordinary talents. The schoolmaster proposed we should get up a mass meeting. The meeting was largely attended. We held it in the open air, round a roaring bonfire. The schoolmaster was the first orator. He's pretty good on the speak. He also writes well, his composition being seldom marred by ingrammaticisms. He said this inactivity surprised him. What do you expect will come of this kind of doings? Nihil fit. Hurrah for Nihil, I interrupted. Feller citizens, let's give three cheers for Nihil, the man who fit. The schoolmaster turned a little red, but repeated, Nihil fit. Exactly, I said. Nihil, fit. He wasn't a strategy feller. Our uh, venerable friend, said the schoolmaster, smiling pleasantly, isn't posted in Virgil. No, I don't know him. But if he's an able-bodied man, he must stand his little draft. 
the schoolmaster wound up in eloquent style and the subscriber took the stand i said the crisis had not only come itself but it had brought all its relations it has come i said with evident intention of making us a good long visit it's going to take off its things and stop with us my wife says so too this is a good war for those who like this war it's just the kind of war as they like i'll bet you my wife says so too if the federal army succeeds in taking washington and they seem to be advancing that way pretty often i shall say it is strategy and washington will be safe and that noble banner as it were that banner as it were will be an emblem or rather i should say that noble banner as it were my wife says so too i, I got a little mixed up here but they didn't notice it keep mum feller citizens it will be a proud day for this republic when washington is safe my wife says so too the editor of the buglehorn of liberty here arose and said i do not wish to interrupt the gentleman but an impertinent dispatch has just been received at the telegraph office here i will read it it is as follows government is about to take vigorous measures to put down the rebellion loud applause that said i is cheering that's soothing and washington will be safe sensation philadelphia is safe general patterson's in philadelphia but my heart bleeds particularly for washington my wife says so too there's money enough no trouble about money they've got a lot of first-class banknote engravers at washington which place i regret to say is by no means safe who turn out two or three cords of money a day good money too goes well these banknote engravers make good wages i expect they lay up properly they are full of union sentiment there is considerable union sentiment in virginia more especially among the honest farmers of the shenandoah valley my wife says so too then it isn't money we want but we do want men and we must have them we must carry a whirlwind of fire among the foe we must crush the ungrateful rebels who are pounding the goddess of liberty over the head with slung shots and stabbing her with stolen knives we must lick em quick we must introduce a large number of first-class funerals among the people of the south betsy says so too this war hain't been too well managed we all know that what then we are all in the same boat if the boat goes down we go down with her hence we must all fight it ain't no use to talk now about who caused the war that's played out the war is upon us upon us all and we must all fight we can't reason the matter with the foe when in the broad glare of the noonday sun a speckled jackass boldly and maliciously kicks over a peanut stand do we reason with him i guess not and why reason with those other southern people who are trying to kick over the republic betsy my wife says so too the meeting broke up with enthusiasm we shan't draft in baldinsville if we can help it end of chapter six